Hey guys, it's Kristen here. Uh, so obviously this is Bookhorse Pod. Um, this is actually episode 72. If you didn't get a chance to listen to episode 71, which dropped last week, uh, that is the first half of this episode. Um, so this is a special two-parter. We had Darth Internus, that's Tam from Delray, um, on to talk to us uh, for the wrap of Canto Bite. So we had uh, a really wonderful conversation with him, um, and it went uh, about two episodes length. So we split it up. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first half, go ahead and do that. And then this is a continuation of it. Um, we are starting Thrawn Alliances next week um, through chapter six or nine. Or something. Check the Twitter. I don't have it right in front of me. I'm sorry. Kate's going to kill me. All right. Talk to you guys soon. into the next set of things oh i was just gonna ask we have like another set of like some questions that we had for you tom and then some social media questions as well that i was gonna dive into sure. uh, and my first one is one that's about star wars but also about working at delray more generally and how is working on stuff that's written for an ip different from working on original stuff because if i'm not mistaken i know you work on Warcraft as well as Star Wars, right? Um, I work on um, pretty much all the licenses that we work on. Oh, um, so cool. I work on Warcraft. Um, I work on Stranger Things. Um, and we're doing stuff with um, Hasbro and Magic the Gathering now. Um, I work on Star Wars. Um, but then I do a few limited things with our original fiction. I used to do a lot more of that. Um, but as careers and things have have evolved and things you know the stuff that i've been most passionate about at least right now is working on ip stuff so i work on some originals things and i still read a lot of the originals work that we do and kind of do give side comments to the other editors when they when they want extra reads but yeah the most of the stuff that i do is on ip mm -hmm. cool. awesome and like in your experience how what's the what's the experience like how's it different working on original stuff versus ip it's really just um so the difference is sort of twofold. First of all, you're obviously working kind of in an established world. So you're working in a place that has its own rules, has its own um, style, has its own sort of voices, its own perspectives, characteristics, everything from like, do we use metric system or do we use, you know, a different system to, um, you know, how do we capitalize certain things to, you know, all those like nitty gritty things all the way to like the bigger, more macro kind of themes of the individual worlds. Um, whereas in original stuff, you know, it's you and just the author and that author is kind of in charge entirely of their world and of, of fleshing it out and having it whatever extraneous world building they need to have to support their storytelling. Um, so there's that. But really the meat of the difference between the two is just um, kind of how many people are involved. You know, when mm -hmm. it's just me and an originals author, it's just me and the author. Me as the editor, them as the author, you know, probably a, a literary agent is involved or, or, or something like that. But that's really it. It's two or three people kind of crafting this story, honing it, 
putting it together and off into the world it goes. When you're working with IP, you're working with an author. There's going to be, you know, one, two, potentially three editors, depending on how um, the, the group that you're working with is organized. There'll be support people who work directly for the, the property that, you know, are everything from either um, experts on this particular style of that um, license or they're the lore experts or they are people who have views of other ancillary products so they can help you um, form connections or avoid, you know, weird crashes or contradictions. And so it just is about like it's a a more complex management puzzle mm-hmm. in the um, second one because you're distilling the contributions of many different people from many different disciplines that then all comes back to the same single story that is being anchored by and sort of driven by the author. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're just kind of corralling a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so it's, I mean, there, there are kind of very obvious differences there, but really at the, the end of the day, you're still just doing storytelling and you're trying to tell really good stories in book form. Um, the fact that there might be 10 or 15 people involved versus two or three is just, you know, it's a, it's a math and logistics problem yeah. um, that's actually usually pretty easy to solve because most of the people, um, and it's been my experience across the board in working with the licenses and the people that I do, everyone is like super into it and working in lockstep and everyone knows exactly the part of the the process that they're responsible for helping to push along. So everyone's just like, all right, here we go. Um, and, uh, and it, you know, it works out really well. And, you know, I love the licenses. I love Star Wars, obviously. I love all these, you know, cool things that I get to be a part of. Um, but I sort of love it all, the whole process of it, pretty equally. That's awesome. Yeah, I can see how that's, like, having having your hand in that sort of, like, project management is also, like, it sounds like a really fun challenge in addition to just, you know, sitting there and reading the thing. Because I know that, at least at least when I was working for publishers, like, sitting, sitting there and reading the thing was fun, but also it was just kind of, like, it's kind of more of a solitary endeavor so that you get to work with other people is kind of nice and it's unique I feel like in publishing now I'm just like imagining project managing at my job which is like all right so this person needs to write the copy and then we need the web developers to work on this stuff and that all needs to happen by Thursday whereas like at Delray, I'm imagining a world where it's like, all right, so we need the Wookiee experts to weigh in by Thursday. <laughs> we need some Starship hyperdrive physics to Chris. slot into Chapter 12. Like, it's just, that's that's what I'm picturing in my head. <laughs> Incredible. It's not that far off from being correct. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, the, it's in the ballpark. Um, I love it. <laughs> it's in the ballpark. Love it. That's yeah. right. So we, we, we've kind of consolidated a lot of the expertise, so we don't usually have to go to that many different people to get our Wookiee expertise <laughs> and stuff about Starship designations and somebody write 10 new lines of Hatice dialogue or something. <laughs> you know, we, we don't have to go to that many different people to get all that. Good to know. That's Good to know. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our next question for you is, obviously, there's so so much going on um in star wars right now at least in terms of upcoming projects um across media obviously you've got a bunch of books coming out which we are extremely excited for tv stuff um film stuff obviously nine is coming next year so uh, as far as you can tell us uh, (laughs) um in terms of things that are in development that you may or may not know about what are you what are you most excited for in star wars or what are you most excited about 
yeah. I love asking this question. Stick, sticking to things that are announced, we're we're not trying to get you in trouble. Yes. <laughs> Man. Um, this is this is like trying to getting asked to choose you know choose my you know choose a favorite child <laughs> or like I guess because I don't have kids we'll just say choose a favorite cat intern. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, who actually both of them have just like snuck up on me and are just like sitting around and near me um, <laughs> watching me do this. Yay. Um, anyway, official uh, interns of the pod. I'm, I'm just saying it right yeah, now. Official, yeah. Official. Yeah. Official Dari interns. Um, <laughs> I would say the thing that I'm most excited about right now is just how much different storytelling is going on and is going to be going on in star Wars over the you know you know from from what we see out there in the landscape over the next like year or so you just look across the types of stories that are being told in the books from us and dpw and marvel and idw and the types of stories people are telling you know it's like master apprentice and queen's you know shadow and thrawn and alphabet squadron and they just you know charles just finished up his amazing vader run and all of those stories are completely different and there's never a thing where like you know, I feel like I read this book a month ago or two months ago because every project comes out is completely different, has its own sense of voice, its own kind of genre it's playing with, its own perspective, let alone like jumping around to different parts of the galaxy. You know, you think about, okay, we've got episode nine, we've also got the Mandalorian and oh, the Clone Wars is coming back. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just one of those things where there are, there's just such a plurality of types of stories that are being told in Star Wars. And it, you know, the fact that Star Wars seems to try to be pushing itself to not be telling the same story twice yeah. is awesome. Totally. And, you know, you're going to have your variety of hits and misses for your own personal preference as much as how much one story might appeal to you versus another because they're, you know, because you're getting so many different types of stories. But that's ultimately a good thing um, because it's better than just feeling like you're reading the same book every six months or watching the same TV show or seeing the same, you know, movie or playing the same video or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, whatever your, your cup of tea is. And so that's the thing that gets me the most excited because it, it's, it, it shows and it's an example of the types of, you know, the types of creative choices that are being made and the creative pushes that we're, that we're doing and pretend specific to the work that I get to do on the books. Like, look back to every book we've published since a new dawn in September, 2014, um, we published the day I started working at Delray. Oh so my gosh. That's awesome. Share an anniversary, um, uh, with, with, uh, a new dawn, oh but you just look at every single book we've published since then. We've never published the same book twice. And in fact, we've never published the same book twice. Like even within that whole span, let alone back to back, mm -hmm. every single book is completely different than, all the other books with the exception of like, you know, obviously the aftermath trilogy, mm -hmm. there's cohesion there because it's a trilogy, right. but you know, it's like compare last shot to twilight company, but then compare twilight company to inferno squad, which are, you know, similar books. Cause they're both like kind of a military, more military sci-fi, but they couldn't be more different. Um, you know, and compare Tarkin to last shot and dark disciple to, um, bloodline. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. Um, or even Thrawn to Thrawn alliances. I mean, it's Tim and it's and it's it's Tim Zahn and it's Thrawn, but like the 
the approach of those books and the the story they're telling and you know the kind of feel for them are completely different from each other um so that's the kind of thing that gets me the most excited and i think you're gonna definitely i can definitely speak to it for the book's perspective you're gonna see that continue that we want to be telling different stories and we want to be trying different things with each new book that comes along and so when you read master and apprentice and then read alphabet squadron and read thrawn uh treason next year you're gonna see three very different approaches and three very different books oh i'm so exciting i know i'm so excited i I hope it's cool that i just like take that and i record it and i put it um on my iphone and when people ask me why i have a podcast i'm just gonna play that (laughs) when people ask you why you have a podcast when you're just feeling down about the world you know (laughs) yeah i mean like i'm like no no shit though like everything that you just said tom i think resonates super deeply with the three of us knuckleheads who um (laughs) you know we we got into this because trump got elected and we wanted to not jump out a window right it's like (laughs) what but but since you know since that it's become so much more than that we've loved just talking about the multimedia um you know different things that that the star wars uh story group is doing and the books are such a big part of that and it's so cool that we get to follow that and that this weird pipe dream that we had of being able to get together and talk about something that we love is like continuing to evolve and get somehow even better even though it's already amazing like that's such just such a cool thing oh fuck yeah and i mean i feel like none of us and atomic including you in that like would be here if we didn't love both star wars and storytelling so i mean yeah this is the it's just the best it's very accurate <laughs> yeah i mean we we've said i i particularly i've said that i i don't think there's ever been a better time to be a star wars fan just because mm-hmm. there's so much and like there's so much for you to like and choose like what you consume and it's just right it's exciting it's it's a really exciting time it is and you know people are like you know this thing isn't for me and i'm like it's fine though because there's a fucking smorgasbord of other stuff you can like just completely devour and like it's yeah, like it's so cool. Yeah, like there there are some things that come out that I'm like, that looks awesome. Not my jam. I can skip this one. It's fine. And and you know. And then I do, and it's okay. And it is fine. <laughs> it's amazing that, that that you guys think that's an option. Someone should tell the internet. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm now in my head just comparing, not just comparing Tarkin and Last Shot, but specifically imagining. James Lucino and Dana Jose Older on a panel together and I really <gasps> hope that that happens sometime in the future because I need I need that odd couple to happen. That sounds so fun. <laughs> oh man, those guys would actually I think get along really really well. Oh, I I have no doubt that they would because I've heard nothing but wonderful things. We Kate at least had the opportunity to talk to Dana Jose Older a bit earlier this year <laughs> and I've heard nothing but great things about James Lucino. Mm-hmm. I just Knowing them alone from their writing and DJO's Twitter presence, they seem very different. And so, like, I feel like it would be, like, a very fun Aww. opposites attract situation. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would even call them, like, exactly opposites. I mean, they're not, you know, they're very different people. But, uh, no, they, they, would, they would be awesome together on a panel. <laughs> um, they, would be, they would be amazing. Oh. Uh. Let's now. Now I'm just really hoping that happens. You just in you spoke it into the universe. So I know. Let's see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> I think the next question is yours. Is it okay? Yeah. Um. So one question I had, just on a personal level, what is one character? It can be canon. It can be legends. It can be from any of the Star Wars anywhere in the Star Wars galaxy. 
that you have never had the opportunity to work on as an editor that you would love to have that opportunity? Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm 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 bad because I I didn't really give this I've never given this car- this question a whole lot of thought. Um, I mean I I really dug that we got to include a story about Afra in from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was actually it was a little bit later in the process than some of the other stories, and we were like, oh, you know, we we haven't gotten to forty yet because you know getting to forty stories is is a job. Yeah. Um, I was <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. we haven't gotten to 40 yet, you know? And we were like, well, who else, you know, not just who else from an author standpoint, but like who else maybe from a character standpoint could we could we include here, you know, that we might be able to figure out. And we were like, well, what's Dr. Afra doing during A New Hope? Um, which obviously then immediately led us to like, let's ask Kieran if he's free so he could write a Dr. Afra story for us. Yes. Um, uh, I So I think getting to work um, on a... a more lengthy Afra story would be awesome. I think Afra is amazing. I think the way that Afra has been integrated, not only as a complementary character in Star Wars to the the you know the big characters of Star Wars, because that's one of the tricks with creating an original character. Uh, you they need to stand up and be their own character. But one of those things, at least at the start, because you know, people sometimes like they require like that a character earn some form of legitimacy is like you basically have to put them next to the big characters of Star Wars and they have to be able to hold their own on the page. And Afra from page one of her comic holds her own on sharing a page with Darth Vader, which mm-hmm. is like that's really hard to do. That is, you know, really difficult for your for that for another character not to just be swallowed up by the presence of Darth Vader literally and figuratively you know Um, yeah uh so to be able to do that with afra is amazing and was so the character was so brilliantly conceived of and and put together so i think i would choose afra um but i guess i haven't really given a whole lot of thought i i usually we usually or at least i don't really start think about this stuff until we're starting to think about what kind of story we want to tell which then Mm -hmm. leads to what kind of characters might we want to tell this story about Mm. um but we'll, we'll go with Afra. That's a great answer. <laughs> that is a fabulous answer. I mean, I feel like um, I and uh, Bria, of course, our Tashi Station colleague, we would, we would murder somebody for an Afra book. So. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of speaking something into the universe. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so fun. Hopefully hopefully we see that coming down the pipe one day. Ah, oh, I love it. Um, so I know, Tom, you wanted to ask us if we had any questions we wanted answered i don't yeah i mean well i i just remember from the other uh episodes about the stories um i just remember you guys sort of talking about like oh i wonder if this was a thing and this was a thing and so in case there were any like lingering like easter eggy questions or questions about the structure or anything like that that you wanted me to like try to confirm or answer or clarify yeah Um, Um, jjm answered that our question from last week that Yes, in fact, all of the uh, chapter titles in the ride are <laughs> gambling terms. Um, yes, they which are. Which we kind of assumed, but then spoke around a little bit because none of us were 100% sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but then we answered we, another question. Too. I know, and then we were horrified because we were like, that means he's listening to the podcast and <laughs> no, one, no one should ever have to do that. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm so sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
JJM is actually I I had never been in a casino ever before. Oh, really? Wow. Just yeah. just never had occasion to be and sure. was never really all that interested in going. I've like, you know, I played poker like in college like with friends in mm-hmm. the dorms and stuff, but never had been to a casino or done any of that. And uh, so it was during the production, like when this book was kind of in process and we're going along and reading through JJM's story. And um, JJM actually sent me the rules for Zin Biddle as he had created them. And I (laughs) took a deck of cards. I think there's an old tweet someone can find from me from last year. I took a deck of regular playing cards and actually like played Zin Biddle by myself in my apartment to get my head around what the game was so that when... You know, John is writing the scenes where they're playing. I know the parts of the rules and the parts of the game that need to be described in order for you to understand what's going on, even though you can't conceptualize and see the playing board. Um, So I need to know, like, okay, what are the three elements that I would need to know about in order to understand this game, even though I'm not sitting at the table and can't see the cards moving? Because, you know, lacking that visual element with something like a card game that's new is it's a difficult thing. So I was doing that and I kind of got this in my head. I was like, man, you know, I really think I should, yeah, I want to go to a casino and just like bet once just to do it, just to say I did it. And so, um, uh, my girlfriend and I were in Pittsburgh, um, visiting, um, some friends and, and I went to grad school out there. So I was, I was out there to visit school again. And, um, you know, one night we had free night and there's a casino in Pittsburgh and we went to the casino, (laughs) never been to a casino. And we went and we found a $10 blackjack table. And we were like, because we didn't want to like put a coin in a slot machine and then walk out of there. Oh, like we yeah. you know, want to do something slightly more substantial, but no, we're not trying to like lose our, our, <laughs> our rent money. We live in New York. We got to save that. Yes. Like, we're trying, you know. yes. So we're like, all right, what's the cheapest table thing we can find? And also it's like, we're not doing roulette. That's, you know, we're going to, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. That's just uh, that's So <laughs> we, we both agreed. We're like, all right, let's do blackjack. So we found a blackjack table, sit down, put $10 down. Because that's, you know, it's a $10 table. It's the lowest mm-hmm. table we could find. Get a bet. Get 18 or, or 19. 18 or 19. I'm going to say 19 because it makes it a better story. But it was either 18 or 19. <laughs> get 19. And I was like, okay, we're going to stay because this is good. You got a 21. It was pretty good. I was like, all right, stay. Dealer flips over 21, takes my $10 <laughs> in about 10 seconds. Um, my girlfriend's wow. like, what the heck just happened? And I was like, oh, yeah, we just lost our 10 bucks. And I was like, we're done. We're, we're headed out of here. She's like, wait, just like that? I was like, yep, that's it. We're gone. JJM just lost us 10 bucks. Um, it's not actually true. It's not his fault. But, it, you know, so it's my one time in a casino because of working on this book, I lost 10 bucks uh, playing blackjack. That's um, awesome. Tom, I, I know you yeah. know this, but your job is fucking cool. <laughs> Trust me, I, I nobody nobody knows that more than I do. Um, <laughs> nobody knows that more than I do. But um, yes, those are all gambling terms. There was um, real rules for Zimbiddle that could actually oh be God. played. Um, it's actually a really fun game. Actually, it's oh pretty my good. God. Um, that makes me so happy. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I wish you could have seen my face when you were telling when you were saying that Zimbiddle has rules that someone like thought out because. Oh yeah. My brain exploded. Oh yeah, my god! It's gosh. really, it's really smart. It's really well put together. Oh my god! Here's hoping good. that we can one day buy a uh, Lucasfilm branded Canto Bite card game TM that is in Biddle <laughs> that they <laughs> for legal reasons can't awesome. name. <laughs> I would. Yeah. I would that would be great. That would be great. We could plug yeah. it. But we the, could say go get it at your local game shop. 
et cetera, et cetera. And actually, Chris, we could build off this question with, I think something else you had put in the note that I'd seen earlier that kind of touched on, but I didn't really get to, which was how much did the authors see of their work? Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Of each other's work. So uh, when we kind of had the conversation and people were choosing what aliens they were going to have and learning about Cantabite, that was all done as a group because obviously I didn't want, you know, one of the authors say, oh, I want these three aliens and someone else to say they wanted the same. And then, you know, I wanted to, if that was going to happen, wanted to be able to kind of iron that out. Um, though mm-hmm. if two people had chosen the same alien, I don't, because it was all one night on Cannabite, we just would have figured out a way for that character to be in two places at once. Right. Um, <laughs> but so everyone had, everyone knew what everyone else's story generally was. I shared all the outlines with everyone, mm. but because of the way it was going to work from a writing standpoint, what I did was I had everyone turned in their their manuscripts to me. I read all of them really quickly. And then when I sent back notes to each author in their um, manuscripts, I made notes of here are the three or four things I would like we want to add to your story to connect it to the other stories. So for like Saladin, there's a moment where Ang Lang and Kedpin are walking down the street and they try to go to a club. And Engling's like, oh, we're going to go to this club and have a drink, but they can't get in. The doors are locked. And he's like, that's weird. It must be a private party. And they go to another club. Well, that's the club from Mira's story. And so we just originally, the two of them just go to the bar they end up having the drink at. So we just added those two sentences into that little um, that little scene to make the connection. And same with like when Kedpin first arrives, he sees the card player, Orisha, that is, you know, Cal's kind of foil in the last story. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a matter of, I just wrote like, oh, hey, let's name drop this person. This is a character from John's story. And hey, um, you know, uh, Mira, let's mention this. This is going to be a character here. And so it was just a a case of kind of doing it that way because it... um, it made the whole process easier. The only person that I really told, um, or not told, but sort of needed a little extra info was um, John, because I needed John to int- reintroduce Kedpin at the end of the story. Mm. So, um, because I was like, oh, it'd be really great if we sort of circled the whole book back on itself and we saw Kedpin again. Um, particularly because Kedpin's at the start of his vacation. He's had this big first day and this big kind of character change. I wanted us to get another glimpse of him before the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of how all those pieces came together. There was actually a moment where Wody from John's story was supposed to be trapped in the nightclub uh, during <laughs> Mira Grant's story, and which is why he's not in like the first half of John's story, is that he was trapped at the party. But then because of his like weird you know abilities and stuff, he somehow just escaped at one point. Um, <laughs> and we we're going to have him interacting with the sisters as they were messing around with the liquor bottles. And he was going to start moving the labels around too and just start <laughs> screwing everything up. Um, but ultimately this is actually a, a, this is a, a, a case where it just wasn't fitting into Mira's story and it was going to break too much of her story to make it fit. So mm-hmm. we just cut it because it's a cool moment and it's a cool little Easter egg. But again, you know, the goal is to tell a good story, not just create, you know, 10,000 words of Easter eggs. Right. So if something like that is going to, you know, undermine the core of the story, it's got to go. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of why that why that went. Um, and yes, uh, Chris, I think it was you who had brought this up. But the unnamed villain of Mira Grant's story that Ubalia owes money to is the same person, Big Sir Ganna, who shows up in both 
ah, uh, who okay. shows up in the other stories. He's kind of like the looming, you know, uh, big bad behind the scenes of most of the book. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, though that wasn't entirely intentional, but just it did. It ultimately made sense for that to happen. Yeah, um, definitely. Oh, so freaking cool. I love it. I just I love that attention to detail and like intertwining them. Oh, makes yeah. Me happy. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. Writing magic, but also editing magic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I had all of the stories. Um, I usually edit just on my computer, but in this case, I actually had all the stories printed out and was like making notes on one and then going to the other, making Ooh, the same yeah. notes. So I keep all my keep all my notes straight. Um, mm hmm. Oh God, that would have been not, me as well. <laughs> not not screw it up. Yes, <laughs> very very important. And the product was flawless. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it worked. Yeah, so good. Right. We really did love this book. Also, oh, also I I, mm-hmm. I should point out from your conversation about the ride, and I didn't really notice this until I heard your conversation. And I went back and and read it this morning. The joke that the characters make at the beginning of the ride about Hosnian Prime, Hosnian Prime hasn't blown up yet. Um, oh. oh, really? So the joke is, I'm never going back there. And the joke is, well, it's good you're not because it's about to blow up. Um, I know that the <laughs> oh first God. couple lines of that story make it sound like it's already blown up because they're like, did you hear about what the First Order did? Um, but I believe technically, I don't actually know. Hosnia Prime has not actually gone boom yet, but it is about to. Ooh. Oh, that's hilarious. So the joke is just that that person is like, oh, I'm never going back there again. That place is awful. Um I mean, it's funny either way. It's just a question of whether it's oh, ha ha yeah. funny or oh no funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it's both funny. You know, it's both yeah. ha ha and oh no funny. I know. <laughs> it's I like it. all the all 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 Duran jokes are mm-hmm. ha ha funny and oh no funny. Oh, yep. Yep. Well, and I don't think like it necessarily mattered whether or not we knew whether or not it'd blown up, right? I mean, we talk no. we talk right. about we talk about timeline just constantly in this podcast because of me and (laughs) i ask questions about timeline and how old people are constantly on this podcast um but like it's great to know that the answer right like we always love to know the answer but yeah it's also like it is funny either way right (laughs) totally and And it works either way and you know it's not a big deal it doesn't matter either way um all right uh shall we do social media yeah let's do some social media questions all right uh, we've got two. Um, the first one's a fun one, so let's do that. Um, so Diana, who is one of Tashi Station's fantastic Patreon uh, patrons, and so therefore she has access to um, the Tashi Station Patreon Slack, where we talk about shenanigans pretty much nonstop. Um, yeah, quick plug. If y'all give, I think it's just the $1 a yeah, month level. Yeah, it's literally a dollar. The Tashi Station Patreon Slack is a fantastic addition to anyone's day. It's so true. if you feel like interacting with any of your Tashi, sta- like your favorite Tashi Station hosts, sometimes including me, I'm very bad at checking it, but everybody I've, else is yeah. better than me. I've been bad lately because I've been work is whatever it yeah. is, but you know, anyway. uh, but it's, it's, it's worth the price of admission. Even if, <laughs> if you don't want to interact, you just want to go look at pictures of people's animals. Um, it's great. There is a pets it's, channel. It's great for that as well. Someone has a corgi. Someone has a corgi. It's very important. <laughs> Sorry, Kate was going to say actual things before I had to plug us. <laughs> all right. So Diana would like to know, um, and this is a question for all of us. So she says, imagine you're planning a heist of Canto Bite a la Ocean's Eleven. What would your roles in the job be? 
which is such a hard question. I have to think really hard now. <laughs> I, I'll go first because I know that I know who I would be. Oh God. I would be the person who plans it and is completely unprepared for something to go wrong and just like cannot get my mind around the fact that my plan did not work and like is not able to adapt. Oh, I mean, if that's you, then I'm definitely the person who has been poking holes in your plans from day one and you ignored me. And, and I, I said, say, no, it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> and, and, and day of, I'm like, who was right? <laughs> God, it's almost like the situation is played out. <laughs> um, I think I would be the fence. I would be the one with all the toys. Yes. Yes, Just cause you would. It may. And I love toys. Totally. And I love planning. <laughs> I think I would like to imagine that I could be the face, like the the person who's got to like do the convincing, mm-hmm. be the like, you know, be the one who who makes the comment that gets you in. But I think in reality, I'd probably be better as like the getaway driver. Um, <laughs> I love it. I I love that. All, you both, can be anything you put your mind to. If you can dream it, you can do it in a casino robbery, Tom. <laughs> or or I could be the guy who like plans the 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 multimedia PowerPoint that they need in order to set up the heist. You know, like in Ocean's Eleven when Danny gets up to like give the whole speech about the Bellagio and they got the three D graphics of like the vault and stuff. I could be the guy who puts that together. Yeah. I, I, oh, I could yeah. do that. I could I could run the PowerPoint. I know when to press the button. Like I you know, I could be in sync with, with whoever's given the good speech. I could do that. I'm just oh, I'm um, glad none of us said yeah. the uh contortionist. <laughs> oh wait, no no, I need to change my answer. I'm sorry. Um, I want to be the guy who in every scene is just inexplicably eating because in every heist movie in the last 10 years, there's one person who's just like always eating food. Oh, so I'll be that God. guy. It's yeah. so real. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's really, that's, that's the jackpot role right there. No, yeah, totally. Totally true. No, I'd just be the straight man and it'd be really, really sad for me personally. Cause it's funny cause I'm not straight or a man. Anyway, um, <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, so the other question we got was from our lovely, lovely Toshi Station colleague, Amanda, um, who would like to know, Tom, what was the hardest Star Wars book secret that has now been revealed? She does not want to know anything that you can't talk about um, that you have had to keep. Um, that's her first question. So I'll let you do that first. <laughs> it's not hard keeping secrets. That's the thing. Ooh, that might be the most controversial thing you've said on the podcast. I think so. <laughs> it's just, it, I mean, we get, I, it's the thing we get asked a lot. I know I, I hear authors get asked. So we get asked it all the time when like I'm at conventions, people always come up to the booth and like, like, oh my gosh, like how do you guys keep secret about like, I don't know, you just don't tell anyone. Like it's, <laughs> it's pretty easy not to keep, you know, keep a secret. Um, don't like, you know, get full of yourself and just like go on Twitter and be like, yo, new Thrawn novel is going to get announced in like three weeks. Like, I don't know. I just never feel a compulsion to do any of that. So it's never hard, I guess. Um, but to not, you know, I don't want to cheat out on an answer. So I, I mean, obviously I think the, the announcement that there was going to be a new Thrawn novel Mm. on the heels of Thrawn also appearing in rebels. I mean, that's probably like the biggest one that we've had to um, hold down. But it's, it's again, it's not difficult because, um, you know, I, I don't, I would not feel any personal enjoyment over ruining um, a secret, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's a secret that it's not really mine to tell. Um, yeah. And, and 
you know, there's actually some fun in somebody asking me about a secret that I know and I can't tell them that. But in the back of my mind, I can be like, man, in three months, you're going to be like the happiest person in the world, you know? <laughs> Uh, you know, so like when people are like, oh, man, we'd really love like a Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan book. And it's like back in, you know, <laughs> last, you know, whenever. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, looking at an outline for Master and Apprentice being like, oh, you're going to be so happy soon. Like I'm so, I'm I am, you know, uh, preemptively so happy for you. You don't even know yet, like how much joy is coming to your life. Um, and I get to sort of revel in that. So Aww. that's why keeping secrets is actually kind of easy. Um, uh, you know, that. and it's like, you know, um, I'm never going to like just tell if someone's like, tell me a Star Wars book secret. No, I'm just yeah, right, yeah. like, you can't make me. Uh, no. Spider Mall was no. alive the whole time. Oh, my yeah. God. Yo, I'm excited for Thrawn. I'm like over here. Uh, family feud. Good answering you with that one. Just because like that is uh, I fucking love Thrawn as uh, anyone who listens to this podcast may know. Oh yeah, our our group chat was a lot of all caps when Treason got announced. Oh god, yes. It was really so, it was really an exciting time. Also, you guys like Thrawn. So don't uh, make this just about me. Oh no, that's no, I, no, no. no I, to confirm, you were not the only person in the group chat doing all caps. I, I mean, was also very much doing that. I mean, you were super doing all caps when Alliances got announced and you heard you were getting another Anakin story. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was that was a moment for me, no question. See, Chris, I think you would probably be like in actual reality if this was like part of your job you would be better keeping secrets like thomas because you like surprising people you like knowing that something good is coming for them and they don't know about it i do i i i am good at keeping secrets when i have to i am not good at keeping secrets if i don't have to keep them i mean like like if it's just something that like you know maybe somebody shouldn't know but it's not like you know, it's not like I've explicitly like been like, you know, don't tell anybody or like it's my job or something. Then I'm like, like if like see, I'll I'll bring it up, I'll find a way to bring it up. It's, I don't know why I'm like that. See, 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 see. This is the thing though. I'm sure Tom, you you've had to probably sign like ten thousand NDAs. So <laughs> yes, it, I mean, my continued employment is in and of itself an NDA. <laughs> yeah, like there it is. I, were I in that position, I I do feel like I would be better at keeping secrets. Right. Because it would be actually necessary. Yes. Yes. It's true. I mean, you had to sit on a bunch of stuff when you were working on campaigns, I remember, because you had to do all this polling and all this other crazy oh, yeah. stuff. But anywho. Yeah. yeah when, it, when it's your livelihood, somehow you find a way. <laughs> well, it's just like it becomes so much less interesting. Probably not for Tom, but I'm just thinking for myself. <laughs> I'm like great i work in hr doing systems work i know how much money everyone makes and i just don't (laughs) care it's just like a number it's just not something it's like oh oh my god what's it like to know what everybody makes i'm like uh it takes up like a lot of brain space that i wish i could have back for like other (laughs) other things like i don't know naps or not having anxiety or just anything (laughs) Two very important parts. So, so you have that taking up your brain space. I have fallout boy lyrics from high school still, ten years later. Okay, but anyway, same, though. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, the brain's got room for secrets and fallout boy. You know, <laughs> that, how so true. how man, yeah. what a true true. That was just like totally. <sighs> so wise. Thing, I know. The only thing to your point about like how secrets affect you that does impact us is you you don't and i mean this happened this is true with kind of anything 
you do not get to be involved with certain parts of the conversation mm. about the things you know secrets about. Oh, sure. So like, mm. you know, I don't get to be involved in a lot of speculate, like a lot of speculation conversations anymore mm-hmm. because I know the answer. <laughs> um, right. And, and I always make, I make a very fine point of never, I actually make a very fine point of pretty much never speculating about anything, even if I don't actually know the answer, because I assume someone thinks I know the answer yes. and will then think that my attempt at speculation is weird, is like some coded, weird, like, you know, Fibonacci sequence type <laughs> cipher of trying to spoil what the, the you know, the answer. So like I, I'm cognizant to like not be part of those conversations at all. So Who on the it does change it. That? I mean, so many people. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, once then the, the, the secret is revealed, it's like the conversations that are being had about it are usually like several weeks or months behind wherever I am with the (laughs) the thing, because like I've already processed through like those things, those stages. And it's like, all right, you guys are on like the third stage. Like, all right, I'll I'll check in again in like three weeks when they've gotten (laughs) to this point. And somebody makes, somebody realizes like this thing, you know, and then, you know, the whole conversation turns like, I'll check in when that happens. Cause that was a cool moment for me. I want to see other people experience it. Oh, um, yeah. So, that, but it's like, that's not a bad thing. It's just, mm-hmm. again, it's just about like kind of rewiring the way that you engage with certain conversations. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, no. And I, I've kind of seen that happen for some people in real time. Like Pablo Hidalgo, that man can't say anything ever again, <laughs> but like people turn it into, uh, I don't I feel- even know. He and he and Matt Martin oh, coming up again are I I want to say the two yeah I don't know if they're the only two story group members on Twitter but they're certainly the two most prominent I think they 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 use Twitter the most they I use Twitter say. the most yes and I they they have ungodly amounts of patience I know really those poor dudes like I y'all if you've been listening to the podcast you know me I don't have any patience so bless them yeah right. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. So our second question from Amanda and our, our, our last question from listeners, we did, we actually, people were very well behaved and did not ask us any asshole questions. So Keeks, I'm sorry, but you don't get to talk about Spider Snoke. Oh, I could have come up with really fun answers. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, next time we have you on, we won't put the disclaimer on and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So Amanda's second question is, um, what's something about your job that people outside of publishing probably don't know? Um, man, uh, I mean, there's so much, mm-hmm. um, so, so much, which, and it's mostly kind of, it's kind of publishing's own fault because for whatever reason publishing, um, and this is not even specific to my particular job or my, my company or, or anything. It's like an industry thing. Um, publishing is just kind of a secretive is not really exactly the right word, but it's just one of those industries that is got so many kind of weird traditions and frankly kind of arcane like ways that it works, that it is actually really hard to understand from the outside. Yes. Um, But I think the thing that I come, I come back to all the time. I I think I've probably tweeted this like three or four times in the time that I've worked at Delray is just that the amount of time that editors spend reading is way less than you think. (laughs) Most people, when I tell them like, Oh yeah, I'm a book editor. They're like, Oh my God, that's amazing. You just like sit around all day and read. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) Like there are, there are days and weeks that go by where I read nothing. 
<laughs> I read absolutely nothing out, maybe a, an outline. But other than that, I read nothing. I like read book copy or like right. marketing copy. You know what you read? Um, I know what you read. Emails. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> actually, we, we kind of prefer, we have a lot of just like in-person conversations and meetings. You know what? That's the best thing I've ever we're all, heard. Like, all in the same, <laughs> we're kind of all in the same corner of the floor, this little like nerd corner that like we've all just been like shoved into, <laughs> which happily we really like being this like corner of the floor. And so like if I need, a, if I have a, I just like get up and turn around to like, like Elizabeth, um, our creative director and I like, we sit, um, our cubicles are like uh, diagonal to each other so I literally just spin my chair around 180 degrees and just like stare at her cube until she like realizes I'm looking at her <laughs> and she does vice versa to me and we then we just chat it out um, or I just like get up and walk to someone's office next to me um, oh I love so it we, yeah. now you're just um, making us jealous but so it's really just like you editors spend so much time doing other things that are not reading um, and that's that's probably like the the easiest one. The other part is just like why are books priced like this? Why are there a million different formats? Mm -hmm. Like you know why does this come out nine months after this? How come this says this and looks like this? Why do book covers? It's like there's like a million things about publishing, but I think the biggest one is just there's so much time where I'm not reading. Um, I think actually yeah, where I'm just not not reading anything. Yeah, um, because I've got a write the jacket copy like the copy that goes on the inside of the flap or the back of the book I've got to like write that and then I've got to have meetings about how uh, with the marketing and publicity people and then I've also got to do like um, some financial um, estimates so I can mm. figure out how much money I can spend to do this and then oh I've got to plan we got to plan two convention appearances um, and um, I don't know I've got to do 10 other things and then I get to go read um, <laughs> But uh, I think I think that's it, um, because uh, like it actually, Chris, it, being an editor is a lot about just project management because it's a lot about just connecting all the other parts of publishing that go into making a book, um, which then means that you spend a lot of time coordinating other people mm -hmm. or just mm -hmm. like checking in with them or because I'm the person who knows the most about the book, obviously, right. other than the author. But I'm the person in the office who knows about the book, soup to nuts, if someone in marketing has a question about something character wise, plot wise from a, you know, would this reading line make sense? Someone in publicity has got a question, someone in, you know, production with the design of the book, like whatever, I'm the person they have to come to to ask because I'm the person who's most likely going to have the answer or be able to get the answer quickest. Right. Um, which is why I tell people too, when people inevitably, and I, I did this when I was younger. And so this is not like, of character fault of anyone but just when people are like oh i would love to be an editor i like reading a lot <laughs> first of all first of all do you because reading when you're an editor is way different than just like if you oh, have God, a book yes. and you're not, and you're just picking up a book and reading it if you don't like that book you could just stop mm -hmm. and just never read that book again yep. you could stop on page 14 and be like Nah, I'm going to go like play video games. Yep. Um, or I'm going to go read this other book or I'm going to more likely because let's be real. I'm going to go reread one of my favorite books like the, for the 3000th time. Yep. <laughs> but when you're a book editor, either you need to finish that book because you have to be able to speak cogently about why the book is not good. Yes. Or you have to finish that book because then you need to fix it. Yep. Um, you know, not, I'm sorry. Fix is the wrong word. Um, you need to like work with the author to figure out what's not working mm -hmm. and make it better. Fix it makes it sound like it's just like you just take the author's stuff and like, you know, make it 
you know, make it right, which is not the way that author right. and editor relationships would work. Yes. But anyway, so people are like, oh, and I like reading. Well, you need to be able to do more than read. And the amount of and the kind of reading that you have to do is way different. Yeah. Um, I've had to read some really bad stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Not I bet. not anything like on the IP side and the, the like Star Wars. I'm just like um, submissions that we have gotten that I've had to read most of because I really needed to be able to explain to my colleagues like why I liked or didn't like it. And I have had to slog through some pretty rough reading material. Oh, God. <laughs> I've absolutely been there. When I was an intern, I used to have to... Yeah. I had I um I had to go through the slush instead of the agented stuff and so <laughs> that was um and then write readers reports just explaining why it was bad because you knew it was gonna be bad but I had to explain why and so it's just like I was reading like a novel a day and just being like no <laughs> so luckily we don't um, we actually don't accept books right. in slush right um, so I don't have to I still have to go through them but it's mostly just to write form letters and emails saying we don't accept books in slush um, luckily yeah, no. luckily i can't read so <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've done that bit it's oh, it's, it's true it's, it's, well you started reading the outlines so <sighs> i know sometimes when i'm sitting in front of a manuscript that i just don't know what to do with i sit there and i'm like i what if i can't read like, what if that's the problem? like what if i just can't read it's good to know that not just other people feel like that. So oh especially people no, who oh work in, in I, words. I, feel like I have the the um, I have the sort of inferiority complex of just like, what if I'm a really bad editor? Like, what if I'm actually just bad at figuring out what makes a story work or not work? Um, I know authors are always like, what if I'm just a terrible writer? But like, I feel that way as an editor all the time. Like every time I write a sentence of like hey, this isn't working and here's a suggestion or here's like a way to think about a fix. I'm always just like, what if this is the dumbest thing they've ever heard? <laughs> I feel that. See, I, I don't know if it's because I work with nonfiction as opposed to fiction or because I'm a bad person, but every time I'm editing something and it's really bad, I'm just like, this is just really bad and I feel like I should rewrite this. Maybe I'm just full of myself. <laughs> well, and you know, and you also, because you're working with, you know, an author and you're an, uh, oftentimes working with very accomplished authors, mm. sort of just like writing a note. And I'm just like, am I going to really tell this person how to write? Yeah. Like, am I going to really tell like Claudia Gray oh, or Tim Zahn that like, you know, this isn't, you know, this sentence isn't working. Like, am I really going to do that? <laughs> like, what the heck is wrong with it? You know? Um, right. So like, uh, like I'm working with Greg Weissman right now on mm -hmm. books for related magic, the gathering. And I was like, I, it really struck me the other day. I was like reading something and there was a sentence that just was confusing. It was just hard to parse. And so like I wrote, you know, no, I was like, this is hard to parse. Here's a suggestion. Let's rearrange it like this. This is the important piece. Let's do this and this and this. And I was just like, I'm really telling the guy who like created gargoyles and was like, young justice like really telling him how to write a line of dialogue like what is wrong with me um <laughs> you know you have to get over that kind of stuff right. But like, it right absolutely hits me all the time right. it probably didn't help that i was watching an episode of young justice too like, <laughs> doing that. like so it's like not probably not the best idea but <laughs> yeah i i can't say i work with authors of that kind of caliber so i i i i feel like i would also be that person you're you're me. you're that in the academic realm kate in this in the academic uh yeah you're kate working with people science. with like crazy expertise that you're just like i'm sure that you probably feel that i because i did non i did some nonfiction editing when i was in grad school mm. 
And like this like PhD mm-hmm. um, student asked me to edit um, an article for them. Mm-hmm. And they specifically wanted someone who like had no expertise to uh. edit it because, you know, they wanted that can you understand this? Have I written this a way that people with a more layman approach could understand it without sacrificing the, you know, the scholarly aspects of it? And I was just like, sure, well, you know, I'll start. But I would get the same thing. Like this person is like light years smarter than I am. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I will fix your commas, but I feel, (laughs) I feel no confidence in anything else I'm doing other than fixing your commas. Right. Yeah. Uh, And even those are, uh, even those are, you know, even those commas I'm not the best with. Yes. <laughs> I I strongly relate to that. I was doing that today, and I was just like, I'm just going to leave those for clarity. I don't know what grammar is. It's fine. That's only my job. It's just, the good thing <laughs> is I have, right. yes. The good thing is you get to work in publishing with, like, an army of people in copy editing and proofreading mm-hmm. who fix all those things for you and yes. make it look like you actually know all the grammar rules. Yes. I don't know all the grammar rules. Yes. Um, I don't really know what semicolons are for. No idea. Um, That's the secret, Tom. No one knows. Uh, so no it's one fine. Knows. I think on that incredibly relatable <laughs> note, um, we can yeah. profusely thank Tom for taking so much time out of his busy schedule to talk about work, essentially. Um, yes. Even though that yeah. is uh, Star Wars, and we all love that. But Tom, thank you so so much for taking time i know it's it's like even late for you guys it's like seven o'clock seven forty-five here and i'm like god you guys are just like <laughs> burning that midnight star wars oil over there um <laughs> oh. i mean i'm just gonna go back to reading thrawn when we're done <laughs> it's not like i have anything to do amazing oh, i love it but yes I mean, thank I'm... you so much for being on yes. we so this so my appreciate pleasure. it this is a lot of fun. I'm glad that you all really enjoyed Canobite because it was as much fun to put together as it sounds like you all had um, reading it. Um, and I always like sitting around just talking about books, whether it's Star Wars or books, you know, otherwise. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, also one of the fun things always about, um, you know, talking to you and other people in publishing is that like, just like your sheer enthusiasm for like what you do always comes through. And that's just always so fun to hear. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, we do have one more thing to thank Tom for because Tom has very generously uh, offered up two copies of Canto Bite for anybody who hasn't read it, for who wants to read it again, gift it. Uh, the The world is your oyster if you win one of these two copies. I was so going to say, if you entered. If you, <laughs> if you entered. We've been talking for a few weeks. You have no excuse. We've been talking about this for like a month because we took so took us so long to get here. Uh Anybody who has left us a review on iTunes uh, was entered, and so now we're going to give those away. All right. Kate, all right, I'm, I'm I'm doing my random number generator. So let's see, uh, who are you? Oh, you already won something, so you can't. I can't pick you. No, 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 no. All right. Um, so we've got first winner is Rachel from the Unrequired Reading Podcast, who discovered us recently. Um, and thank you for listening. And our second winner is uh, Daniel on Twitter. He is at ti through 612 and he's he's been a long time listener and he's also in the uh tashi station patreon slack bless him for <laughs> listening to us scream about kylex all the time right but um oh that's exciting so congratulations y'all you two uh we will contact you after this episode comes out and get your info and zip it over to tom so he can stick your stuff in the mail or some sad cool. intern can stick your stuff in the mail i don't know what you do over there <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, the cats the cat don't interns, know how to yeah. mail things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's no. fair. That's fair. Yeah. We, should get stamps, stamps. Uh, we actually com. don't. We don't have interns. We, we, we <laughs> do it. I, I mail everything. Or I don't mail everything, but I, I mail all the stuff I have to mail. Man. That, that, wow. I have depression, I so I've like that. mailed one thing ever in, in almost 30 <laughs> years. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Oh Sorry. my god! Well, I mean, I can't say anything because I walk next door to like my poor, my poor um, assistant editor. I'm like, can you go to have the mailroom because I'm too lazy to go downstairs? Because I, <laughs> I, I can't do it. Oh, that is that is so not what my job is. I, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna print a, you know, a hundred like copies of this thing now for our meeting. It's the worst. No, it's um, yeah, well, no. <laughs> and this is why I live in fear of that poor that poor guy quit. Right. Anyway, uh, anyway, I swear, congratulations! I, I swear I'm actually nice to this person. Anyway, <laughs> congratulations, Rachel and Daniel. We hope you enjoy Canto Bite, and we hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, before we go, Tom, I want to give you the opportunity to plug yourself, yourself on social media, any projects that you have coming up that you want people to know about. Um, I mean, just everything that's going on at Delray, whether it's Star Wars related stuff with Blizzard, Magic. Um, we've got. Um, some Stranger Things stuff coming up, including the first Stranger Things novels coming out in February. That's going to be amazing. Um, and there's a ton of stuff on the Delray original side. If you guys are into anything science fiction, fantasy, there's all sorts of awesomeness. Um, and then if anyone ever has questions or just wants to hear me ramble on or post pictures of the cat turns on uh, Twitter, you can find me at Darth Internus, I-N-T-E-R-N-O-U-S. Awesome. Always, always be posting pictures of your cats. We love them so yeah. much. <laughs> Please. Even, even when they're, you know, being rude and just not respecting the fact that you have to work, and you know, just really, really being layabouts. Sometimes it's hard to find good. Help. Oh, they are totally layouts, but they, I mean, they keep me company. That's like, true. Lando's bit pretty much always sitting next to me while I'm writing. He's just while I'm editing. He's just never helpful. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I respect that. It's okay. Hamlet's the same. Never yes. helping out with the podcast. This is true. Ever. Anyway. Uh, well, Tom, thank you so much. Uh, you have an open invitation to come back anytime you want. Uh, and for our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Book Wars Pod. Uh, our next book, as we said last week, is going to be Thrawn Alliances by Tim Zahn. And we are going to start reading the beginning of the book through chapter six. Uh, we are probably going to take a week off in between when you hear this and when we start Thrawn Alliances just because of the holidays but then we're trying to get back on a regular schedule so hopefully you will have your regularly scheduled screaming about Star Wars in your ears uh, going forward but you're y'all are hopefully doing a music episode that I have nothing to do with because I'm tone deaf but <laughs> yeah it's fun that's, that, that's in the works yeah. that's in the works that'll I, be something either that or this will be two episodes since uh, Tom was extremely gracious with his time yes that's true we'll figure it out <laughs> either way you'll have something in your ear holes uh anyway in the meantime while you're looking and waiting for that podcast hit us up on twitter facebook instagram and tumblr at bookwarspod bookwarspod at gmail.com if you want to email us rate review and subscribe to both us and the tachi station radio mega feed and as you just heard that is not just something that you're doing for us you're doing it for you because you there is plenty more stuff to win that we're giving away in the coming weeks also corgi pictures also corgi pictures uh well speaking of corgi pictures that happens if you donate to the tashi station radio patreon or uh give to us on coffee or give give us coffee ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod 
really helps us cover our hosting and production costs. Uh, again, we're trying to build up some funds to be able to have some swag to throw at random people at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And every time you give us coffee, we will post a picture of Hamlet on the gram. So you will be the real winner there. Uh, our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. For Kate, Kristen, and Tom, I'm Chris. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, it's been a while since we had one of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was fun. That Thank was you amazing. So much, Thank, Thank you so much, Tom. That was awesome. Oh.